euphoria, a feeling or state of intense excitement and happiness. Hi guys, uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon. I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your evening, whatever time you'll be listening to this. Um, so today, today I want to talk about Euphoria, the TV show Euphoria. And I plan on being very articulate and clear on everything I think about this show and the themes that were covered in this show and genuinely the gold mine that euphoria was and is so yeah let me just get right into it euphoria is a tv show produced by drake Ron Lesham and Tim Raya Denny. I hope I'm saying that right. And Euphoria follows teenagers, high school kids basically, through their lives and the challenges that they face. So this, I'm not going to talk about the characters in depth. I'm just going to talk about the themes that were most prevalent in this series, in this TV show, and. I can't do this in one episode, so this will probably be a series of about two, three episodes, or even four. So, yeah. The characters in the show are Rue, Jules, Nate, Maddie, Cassie, Lexi, Chris, Ali, Carl Jacobs, and Kat. So, yeah. I'll just get right into it straight away. Yeah. So the first theme in Euphoria has to be mental health. Euphoria covered mental health in a way that I've not seen other TV shows covering. How how do how I hope I, I'm putting that right. Like mostly when it comes to mental health issues, especially among young people and teenagers around the age of 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 to around 22, it all seems so dramatized, so extreme, or so it doesn't seem realistic to me from the TV shows that I have watched that try to tackle mental health and all that jazz. But when it comes to euphoria, you see it clearly. So the character whose mental health I feel like was mostly expounded upon the most was Rue. Rue, who is the main character. Rue had anxiety, I think, bipolar. And on top of that, she had a drug problem. She ended up using drugs as a coping mechanism for everything that was going on in her head. Yeah. That's it. I love the way Euphoria covered mental health because, like I said, it seemed so realistic and they showed mental health issues on every single plane. Not only depression, not only anxiety, but gender dysphoria, internalized homophobia, 
um, homophobia itself, fear of abandonment, fear of failing, uh, quote unquote daddy issues, body dysmorphia. It just covered a whole range of issues that fall under mental health. It it basically showed the you see they used to be told like a river has tributaries. It shows the tributary it showed the tributaries that led that lead to mental health issues amongst young people or ge- among people generally. Uh when it comes to depression, anxiety and I'm not sure if Ru had bipolar and bipolar that is mostly seen in Rue. Rue was diagnosed really young and she has been on meds since then, since she was a baby. And there's a scene where she says she did not build this system. She did not fuck up this system, so she should not be the one to fix it. She feels broken, basically, from the word go, which kind of shows how some people, if not most people, who struggle with mental health issues feel we feel broken we feel like we are incomplete to some extent so i really like the way they portrayed that and the way rue tried to deal with her mental health issues although she didn't deal with it in like the right way ended up becoming an addict although that is also a mental health issue in itself so I hope I'm making sense, but I like the way Euphoria covered that, covered the whole mental health issues thing in young people. They did not make it seem unrealistic or extreme. It's To me, it seemed like the way they showed it was quite normal and quite mundane in a way that most people could relate to and in a way that... A, a very vulnerable way to say the least that's what i mean so yeah that's the first the first theme in euphoria that made it that makes it perfection uh dime uh gold mine the next thing i want to talk about is fat phobia and to some extent body dysmorphia but i don't put body dysmorphia under that so I want to talk about fat phobia in relation to cut. Cut is well fat, let's just say fat plus size. She's the only plus size character in the show and all along at the start of the show they made her they made it okay she's she felt like she is less than because she was bigger than the average. Like, her body type is not considered the traditional beautiful body type, the traditional standard for beauty or even health to some extent. So at the start of the show, it seemed like she felt like she was less than. She had to constantly downplay who she was. And to some extent, it it seemed like being fat was her only personality trait. And... She used to write fan fiction. Yeah, she used to write fan fiction and she was afraid of actually showing her face or her body to her fans 
because she felt like they would think that she's a fraud, which goes more to the point of she felt like she should downplay herself because the whole, okay, the what she had been seeing around her since she was young is that she was not enough or, yeah, something like that. She was not enough to get the attention that she deserved or to get the recognition that she deserved as a writer, as a human being in general. And it seemed like being fat was her only personality trait. But on the flip side, <laughs> after after she finally got out of that bubble, out of that cocoon, out of that cage, she realized who she was and she was okay with herself finally but the way it flipped over really did not sit right with me um so when she finally accepted herself and realized that she deserved the attention that she wanted that she was enough for that kind of attention um it flipped over and just like every other I don't want to say every other, but most big, most quote-unquote fat characters in Hollywood, the way they are written, they are either written as being over-sexual or just being there to offer comedic relief for the other characters or the main character or always struggling, trying to find love or that type of thing. And that is exactly what happened to Kat. After she realized who she was, her character was written to be very over-sexual. Okay. I don't want to say over... I don't want to make it seem like being... Being... How, how do I put this? Okay. She kind of tried to own her sexuality. Yeah. There's that. She tried to own... It was like she was owning her sexuality. But at the same time, I did not like that that was the direct flip. That it had to take that for her to... It's, it, they made it seem like it had to take her becoming over-sexual for her to actually accept who she is and finally step into her power. I hope that makes sense. And it also... They made it seem like her friends were threatened by that, especially Maddie, because they kept saying that they missed the version of Kat who was there before, meaning that they missed the version that she missed the version of Kat who was shy, who was just a sad bag, who gave who who propped up her ego. I hope that yeah, that's what that's the word I was looking for. It, they made it seem like Maddie only missed the version of Kat who propped up her ego and who did not who did not act the way she deserved. I hope I am making sense. Who did not... I hope I'm making sense. I don't over-explain it. I feel like it's going to lose meaning. But yeah, which also goes to show the way Hollywood normally the normal rating for fat people in Hollywood, for fat characters in Hollywood, they're either there to offer some kind of comedic relief, to prop up the other characters' egos or something like that, 
or over sexual hypersexual which is supposed to be funny or shocking in some way which does not make sense to me or somebody who's just weak and who is constantly love starved i hope that makes sense cuz even when when character when cat's character did a flip it still seemed like she was trying to feel a certain hole in herself no pun intended to feel a certain hole in herself that apparently was there because she was bigger than other people i just i don't get it so there's that there is fat phobia uh yeah yeah euphoria tried to cover fat phobia in the best way that they could and and i ain't mad at that either i am not mad at that as well i know i am kind of like skimming through but it's cuz this show covered so many sensitive things and i don't i don't know if i am well equipped to actually talk about them in depth i'm just going to try and talk about them the way i understood and yeah hopefully it will make sense and it will make you realize what a perfect show euphoria was it was beautifully written and to me to some extent it was kind of realistic and i wish that there were more kenyan tv shows more kenyan movies written in the same way showing the same things showing the same struggles and that it they could reach more audiences or i hope that makes sense anyway the next theme i want to talk about that was almost like the center point the heart of euphoria is drug abuse and the recovery pro- process of addicts at the start of the show the show starts with ru coming back from excuse me i need <laughs> give me a minute <laughs> So the show starts off with Euphoria coming back from rehab after she ordeed I think on heroin if I am not wrong. So that's how the show starts. So from the word go we we are shown that Rue is struggling with drug abuse and she is still in the recovery pr- process and even though she was in recovery the very day she came back home from rehab she went to a party got drunk and got high on pills and smoked on the same day so i think that it kind of tried to show us that in as much as you can push somebody into rehab or push somebody to start the recovery process from drug abuse or even alcoholism at the end of the day it's it all comes down to the person to the individual it all comes comes down to the individual cuz at the time when the show was starting ru was not ready to get sober ru was not ready to get clean she still felt like her demons needed to be silenced by drugs and alcohol and weed and all that so at the start of the show ru really was not ready to get sober it took her taking i am not sure what drug this was and Jules getting mad at her and Fez refusing to sell her drugs 
and her mom also almost turning her back on her for her to actually want to get sober and even then it's not that she was healing she was just transferring her addiction from drugs alcohol all that stuff into jewels which was also not a healthy way of coping so in that way i am trying to show how how euphoria showed the the recovery process as being very sticky and being a very slippery slope and the need of a a very very strong support system for the person in recovery and the need for the person in recovery for the individual in recovery to be so self aware and have self control and realize that they are vulnerable at that time they are still very 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 vulnerable and it's not a good time for them to form relationships or bonds with other people while they're still in recovery because the moment this person leaves probability of the individual in recovery backsliding is very high as it happened with Rue after jo- after Jules left she odied again so she started from scratch again so in that light i feel like euphoria i don't know anyone in recovery i have never been in recovery but in my head i think that is how it goes i feel like that is exactly how that process happens and uh, yeah yeah i feel like they they did that that particular issue justice and i feel like i should say that this story is based on a true story one of the producers or was it the writers i am not sure Rose's story is the actual life story of one of the writers or the producers and i feel that is why to some extent it felt so real so real and so realistic and so relatable to the people who are watching it or whatever it got to the target audience and the target audience accepted it embraced it and took it as the freaking gospel so yeah uh i need to sip some tea oh my throat is dry um the final theme i will tackle in this episode i've told you it's going to go like three four episodes or two three episodes the final theme i am going to tackle in this episode is the nice guy anyone who knows me knows i do not like people guys mostly or genuinely even people in general who stand up and say i'm a nice person but mostly for me it falls under guys when a guy decides to say hey i'm a nice guy and you know nice guys always finish last so there was the nice guy trope in euphoria from one character for those who have watched euphoria you know the language is very grungy the sexism is very blatant and very clear in euphoria it's not hidden in any way shape or form 
and there there seems to be only one person who quote unquote speaks up about it but not really he's more complacent to it he's not for it but he is complacent to it and this was chris don't even remember who chris was chris was the black guy i hate to describe him like that but the black guy who played football and went on to college in, on a football scholarship i say chris chris was written as a nice guy trope because when his friends were slut shaming uh cassie when they were slut shaming cassie casey cassie i don't know how it's pronounced he did not actually tell them to stop he was very complacent to it it seemed like he was scared of his friends of speaking up to his friends and telling them you that's sexist and that is not okay he seemed to he, he was like you you stop 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 and the rest of his friends are like shouting it out and yelling it out He's like, yo, stop, stop, stop. You shouldn't do that. I don't know her like that. That doesn't help in any way, shape, or form. And from that way, he will say that he's a nice guy because he does not, but he did not partake in the roungy locker room talk. But at the same time, he did not really come out and tell them that it is wrong and disgusting and they should stop it. He was very much complacent to it and he enjoyed it. Whether he wanted to admit it or not, I know. I know. Chris enjoyed that talk. He he enjoyed being part of the guy talk. The guy, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, in that way, that's one of the ways he was like, quote-unquote, nice guy. The second way was him actually slut-shaming Cassie himself. The episode when Casey, Cassie, whatever goes to his college to a party a halloween party and then he's like i can't i can't show up with you dressed like that what will the guys say see what will the guys say about my girl when i walk in with her dress like this i don't want guys looking at you a certain way because that is going to reflect negatively on me that I mean, you knew who you were getting with in the first place when you two were getting together. But then now suddenly it's a problem for you because it's going to affect your image. I, that's, and that's all I'm going to say about that. I won't say anything more about that particular scene. Another way I feel like he's the quote-unquote nice guy is during the carnival when he was talking to Nate's dad who is also oh so problematic Carl Jacobs is so so problematic anyway the episode during the carnival when he was speaking to Nate's dad and then Nate asked him what him and Cassie was and it were and instead of him saying we are together he said we are just chilling um um make me understand like that's just mm, it didn't make sense to me <laughs> it did not make sense to me because uh if that is what just chilling is what will the relationship be 
So yeah, and then he tried to give her some BS excuse because what did, what did he say? He said um uh I couldn't tell Nate that we are chilling because you know how he is, you know how he speaks and it's not that you do not have a reputation around school. Again, slut shaming his quote unquote girlfriend because apparently they were just chilling. And the final instance of him being the typical quote unquote nice guy was after Casey told him that she was pregnant. And instead of asking her if she was okay, his first reaction was, Are you insane? We cannot keep a baby. What will my father think? I have a life to live. You're not going to destroy he did not say them that in he did not say it in the in that exact way. But that is what he was implying. He was implying that I have a life to live and you're not going to ruin it with me for me because you were not careful. Um the last time I checked, it takes two to tangle. Unless I have my biology wrong, which I am sure I do not. So yeah, Chris was not a nice guy. Chris thought he was a nice guy and there's nothing more dangerous than a guy actually believing that he is a nice guy but in actual sense him and most guys have no freaking difference they are from the same mold they did not break the mold after they made them y'all are the same so yeah that is to me that is how euphoria clearly I feel like this was one of the most clear themes in Euphoria, the nice guy trope. Euphoria put it out there clearly, blatantly. If you did not see it, you ignored it out of your own volition. It was so clear and so evident that this person was not a nice guy, but he believed that he was, which is the most dangerous type of nice guy. So if I keep talking about Chris, I'm just going to keep ranting and... We ain't got the time for that. <laughs> anyway, those are the four themes I have decided to cover on this episode of this series. More, I will cover, I think, three more next time and maybe two final ones on the final episode. I hope you like it. But all I have to say is that Euphoria on HBO is was one of the best things produced in 2019. It was beautiful, it was amazing, it was a dime, it was, to me, realistic. And, yeah. Yeah, for those, for anyone who tells me that Euphoria is not as amazing as I believe it is, I feel like you should sit down and watch it with an open mind and with like a critical kind of thinking, a critical kind of view, and you will realize how amazing Euphoria actually is. So yeah, that's it for this episode on Euphoria. I hope you like it. Please listen, share, and subscribe. If you have made it this far, thank you, thank you so much, and thank you for the support. And yeah... Yeah, I will talk to you next time. Uh, oh, I have activated my podcast on Spotify. So if you want to follow, you can follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on Google Podcasts. And you can leave a voice message on Anchor. 
it's up to you anyway thank you for listening have a good rest of your day good rest of your morning a good night a good evening a good afternoon and be kind and love and light thank you